The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Previously on the On College Basketball Podcast. This is where this is where we can really illustrate who's playing chess here and who's playing checkers. Is that is that so? Yes. Because buddy, you have fallen straight into their trap. Um, You've fallen straight into their trap. Um, no. A few moments later. And there's just no way a blue blood program should be catching eleven points from a team that just lost a five-star freshman. So they're just begging everybody to take Indiana because there's no way a, a blue blood program could ever actually be an 11 point underdog on a neutral court to a team that just lost a five-star freshman. So the whole world's out there like, well, hold up. You tell me I can get a blue blood program plus 11 against the team lost a five-star freshman on a neutral. I'll do that every day. But guess who won't do that every day? Independent thinkers. Independent thinkers. I'm laying points. Give me the Huskies minus 11. I don't fall into traps. One second difference. As Hurley has the ball, UConn's going to end up winning by 20 points. Victory! Hey there! That one's on me. Girl, I was wrong. Gary Parrish, welcome back to the CBS Sports Hour College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like your Brandon Davies. You have consent. Don't forget to also subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel while you're here. Let's get into it. It was a big weekend for the independent thinkers. The Huskies down a five-star freshman, the reigning national champs. UConn went into Madison Square Garden. And handled Indiana no problem. 77 57. That's a 20 point victory for UConn. Now the Hoosiers are down. This is crazy to think about. This is nuts. This is a blue blood program we're talking about. They're down to 79th at Ken Palm right now. We'll get to that later. But okay. first, the only place to start. I don't know if you checked my mentions over the weekend. <laughs> I, I, you know what? Let me be clear on something. I never check your mentions, so. Yeah, I, don't I always suggest that you should never check your mentions. I, in fact, I think I'm pretty sure this is a semi-regular feature on the podcast every single season. But 
this is the latest example that, that might suggest you've got you've got social media figured out better than me because you're like just don't look at the mentions and i'm like but i have to so i don't know if anybody else looks at my mentions but if if there's anybody else out there that looked at my, my mentions over the weekend you know you probably are aware florida atlantic fau my owls uh, took a horrendous loss on saturday night final score was bryant 61 fau 52 so a school that was named after big country reeves beat the preseason aac favorite by nine points after closing as a 22 and a half point underdog yuck it's the third time this season a preseason top 15 team has been upset at home by a mid-major. Also happened to Michigan State. Also happened to Arkansas. But this is the worst of the bunch. Deadleg, let me start you with this. Why did FAU do this to my mentions? That actually reminds me. Now that I gave you the, uh, he gave you he gave you the benefit off the off the top of it. But sorry, I got to hit you with this right now. I was wrong. That's mm. that's mm. tough. Um, Why did they do that? I didn't catch any. I told them yeah, not I mean, to do that. I spent all offseason saying, hey, listen, if I'm going to do what I'm going to do, which is put you in the top five, you can't do that. Well, Dusty May said after. I, I said, if I do what I'm going to do, you can't do what you can't do that. And then they went out and did it. I could. I had a Saturday night off and I just sat here just like going, I can't believe these dudes did this to me. Yeah, I was I had no idea till Sunday morning. I was I was at the I was at the garden. We'll get to that later, but I did not realize. I thought, I thought, I thought Saturday I was going to be completely nondescript with results. Lo and behold, a team Parrish picked to make the Final Four got beat at home by a team that just hired a new head coach less than a week ago. So, oh yeah. my God, this is the target everyone talks about. That was Dusty May's quote after the game. Uh, FAU's 19-game home win streak is over. Uh, this is the kind of game that FAU really didn't even flirt with losing last season, and. I mean, we're going to be the first to report that's on the pod. That's that's just not not just a seed line loss. That's potentially a two seed line loss. Major development. This is a rarity here. FAU might have just taken a two seed line loss because most importantly, it's a home L. Can't be done. Can't, can't be having that, man. Brian outscored him 35-23 in the second half on their home floor. It's the program's first win over a ranked team in its history, which makes sense because Bryant joined Division One like an hour and a half ago, man. And Phil Martelli Jr., congratulations. You got promoted to full-time status literally earlier this week. So you get the interim tag pulled off and you rally your guys and respond by going out and getting the biggest win in school history. They had made the tournament before, the NCAA tournament, one time under Jared Grosso. But to go on the road against a team with a 10 next to it in the AP poll and with a four next to it because of, because of GP over there, it's 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 obviously uh, it's huge. Brian, by the, by the way, I did I did run the numbers on this. Bryant shot 35 percent from the field. It was 27.6 percent from three point range and only shot 69 percent. Not that nice from the line. But FAU shot 26 percent. Aye, aye, aye. You know what, though? I'm not going to say this is going to totally recalibrate expectations for FAU on my end. I, I am interested to see if FAU will drop out of the AP Top 25 on Monday. That being said, I intentionally did not look at your rankings. Um, and if you said it before, I missed it because I was queuing up a little uh, sound button over there. Um, did you drop owls out of your rank? I'm guessing you didn't. But uh, uh, where do you have them now as of Sunday? 
I treat everybody the same. I'm, I'm, I'm equal opportunity. Don't tell me here. you only dropped them 10 spots when they lost at home to Bryant. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm telling you. That's where independent thinking really put yourself in a corner because that's frankly absurd. You still have FAU as a top 15 team when it's played two weeks of the home loss to Bryant. Tough scene right there. What I've learned in years past, you, you know, you're talking like somebody who hasn't been ranking basketball teams every single morning for years and years and years, which I understand because you haven't. So you, you wouldn't, it's called you wouldn't life understand. Oh, buddy. <laughs> oh, buddy. You would. So I understand. I understand why you don't understand because you've never been through this. You know, you ain't been through it, but I've been through it. And what I learned years ago is that if you start overreacting or put another way ranking basketball teams this early based on the quality of the resume you are going to get into some wildly awkward situations because for instance let's say purdue would have gone out and i don't even remember who purdue played in the season opener but let's say purdue would have gone out and lost its season opener to samford okay just like they shot 4% from three and they lost to Sanford. Based on the resume, you've got to drop them completely out of the top 25. But like, really? Is yeah, that, are they really not at home to, they did. I think they did play. Didn't they play Sanford? Isn't that it? Yeah. That's what yeah. I said. Yeah. Um, but, but if they, it, 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 what's more likely if Purdue would have lost the season opener to Sanford, that Purdue isn't one of the 25 best teams in the country or that Purdue just had an awful night in the opening game of the season that isn't actually a reflection of what it's going to be. What I learned years ago is that more often than not, it is going to be an anomaly results like this more so than a sign of things to come. So rather than wildly adjust, like drop people 23 spots for head scratching early losses before they have enough wins to, to offset them. The first head scratching loss you get early this early in the season is a 10 spot auto drop. It's the same thing I hit Michigan State with when it lost to James Madison. Same thing I hit Arkansas with when it lost to Greensboro. Same thing I hit FAU with when I lost to Bryant. And I will listen to an argument if somebody were to say, you know what, that should be a 15-spot auto drop as opposed to a 10-spot auto drop. Like I hear that, I, I'll listen to that. But I've just sort of established a rule that I, I'm not going to move somebody 25, 30 spots based off of the result of one game this this early in the, the season. If you want to argue, in all seriousness, we'll have fun with it, but it, it, that, well, you, you, would, you wouldn't be dropping FAU only down to 15 if your dumbass didn't have them five to begin with. Like, Hold I, on, hold I, on, I hold you. on, hold on. Don't, no, 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 no. Don't sell on you. your eagerness, Grasshopper. You had them four, not five. Yeah, but at some point they dropped down the five. They were five as of okay, Saturday okay. morning. Okay. Okay, yeah. Um, I think maybe because Arizona exactly jumped happened. into the top five after the one over. That's what happened. Push. So um, I hear you. If you say, well, you, they, they'd be lower than 15 now. If you, if you wouldn't have had them at five to begin with, dumb, dumb. I got you. All right. But I did have them at five. Now they're at 15. And the good news is that uh, uh, by this time next week, uh, they will either prove that they belong or, or prove that they don't. Because now they're going to the ESPN uh, events invitational and they've they've got Butler on Thursday, uh, then either Texas A&M or Penn State on Friday, and then either Iowa State, VCU, Virginia Tech, or Boise State on Sunday. 
So it could go, they get Butler, then A&M, then Iowa State. If so, they would get games against the teams I currently have ranked, I believe, 17th and 22nd in the top 25 and one. That would be uh, A&M and, and Iowa State. And so you win those. It looks like what happened against Bryant is an anomaly. You struggle at Disney World, and maybe they're a good team that doesn't belong in the top 25. We'll have our answers soon enough. For now, I'll continue to give a team that I believe was going to be excellent. I'll wrap this by saying, um, if you thought and you just or you didn't care to look and you thought, well, Bryant, you know, they've they've been like semi decent at that level. You know, maybe they're just off to a really good start. No, that was Bryant's first win against a Division One opponent this season. Had lost at home to Manhattan and then got taken out at Rutgers and then lost at BU, which is particularly expected to be poor this season. So again, credit to Phil Martelli Jr. That program's actually gone through. A lot, you know, Jared Grosso was put on mandatory leave and then that process extended out for six weeks and then he eventually resigned. But he really, you know, I guess they suppose they let him resign in that situation and uh, they come back and they fly down uh, to FAU, which they did a year ago and they got and they got beat. They get the win there. And, you know, this is an example where, you know, Earl Timberlake is on that roster. And Earl Timberlake, uh, if the name rings a bell, it's because he was at Memphis and previously at Miami before that. And occasionally you will get a guy who just, for whatever reason, doesn't quite hit it at a higher conference level, uh, humbles himself, transfers down, and can really make something of it. Uh, him being involved among some other good players as well might lead to Bryant being an actual factor in the America East alongside the likes of, say, Vermont, which is off to a tremendous start this season and expected to be the favorite in that league. Uh, just a, a couple more things. This isn't an, an excuse as much as it's a possible explanation, but it is worth noting that Elijah Martin um, isn't right. You know, he missed a lot of time in the preseason with a foot injury. Um, clearly, set him back. He's not even starting right now. Six-two guard. He averaged thirteen point four points. Shot thirty-seven point two percent from three last season on that Final Four team. Right now, he's a uh, only averaging 6.7 points, shooting 25% from three. And uh, three-point shooting has been a, a, a notable stat in the three losses suffered by preseason top 15 teams at home. That's the common thread between all of them, which I guess is like on some level just basketball. But still, um, worth noting, Michigan State, preseason top 15 team, one of 20 from three when it lost 79-76 to James Madison. That's 5%. Arkansas, preseason top 15 team, Lost 78-72 to UNC Greensboro while shooting 17.4% from three, four of 23 overall. And FAU against Bryant, 61-52 loss, five of 30, 16.7% from three. So all three of those top 15 preseason schools that lost to mid-majors at home uh, shot below 18% from three in those games. You should still be good enough to, to win when you're not making shots. But that's at least among the reasons they weren't making shots. And last thing here, just because, you know, when FAU loses to a school like Bryant, which was, again, 275th in the country at Ken Palm coming into the game, uh, people are going to have fun with it. Um, it is, and you, you referenced this, worth noting, they did not do anything like this at all last season. They played 39 games last season. They beat Tennessee, Kansas State, Memphis, Florida, North Texas, UAB. They had seven wins over top 50 Kimpom teams last season. They never lost to anybody ranked outside of the top 125, even though they played 21 games against teams ranked outside of the top 125. So they were 21-0 in games like this last season. So losing to a team ranked 275 is crazy. 
and way out of character for them. Um, like I said, they didn't do anything close to this last season at all, not in November, December, January, February, or March. So it was a surprising result. Uh, we'll see what it means as the schedule progresses. Let's move on. Reed Shepard looking like a possible star at Kentucky and an unusual one based where uh, based on where he was ranked, at least at 24-7 sports, in his high school class. I'll run you through some numbers next. But first, a word from our partners. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So reach upward. Unbelievable on Friday night. 25 points for the 6'3 freshman in this weekend's 101-67 victory over Stonehill. Took 10 shots, made 9 of them. That's 90%. 7 of 8 from 3. So he's now averaging 13.3 points, 23 minutes per game, while shooting 69.2% from the field, 70.6% from 3. After being ranked 79th in the class of 2023, according to 24-7 Sports it's trivia time. Dead leg. Name. I need a list of all the freshmen ranked outside of the top 50 of their high school classes, according to 24-7 Sports, who have played major roles in any of the previous 14 seasons under John Calipari at Kentucky. Okay. Um, I'm going to say uh, Harrelson, Jeans, Jorts. Yeah. Nope. He why would he not why would he not qual he was he was ranked he was ranked higher than that? You go look at what he did at college. Major role. No, oh as no, a as freshman. a freshman. I'm thinking in general. As a freshman? Yeah, no, no, no. I don't care what they became. I mean, in your you're a freshman. You're a true freshman at Kentucky. You were ranked outside of the top fifty in your high school class, and you had a major role on that team. I'm gonna say the list is Reed Shepard, maybe at this point. That's it. Am I forgetting someone obvious? You're not forgetting yeah. anybody. Nobody's yeah. ever done this. But nobody. Yeah. Tyler Hero, for what it's worth, was number 38 in the class of 2018. That's kind of low relative to Kentucky's standards. He averaged 14 points per game as a freshman. Willie Colley-Stein, 47th in the class of 2012, averaged 8.3 points per game as a freshman. But both those guys were still top 50 players. Reed Shepard was 79th in the class of 2023, according to 24-7 Sports. And he is looking like... He is going to not only be a major player at Kentucky, but one of the major players at Kentucky. Now, in fairness, he was 22nd at ESPN.com in the class of 2023. He was Kentucky's Mr. Basketball. Yes. He was McDonald's. He was a That's McDonald's what I was going to get to. Like, he, he ain't a walk-on. He's not a walk-on. I think he might, and I don't have the data here, 
this is a weird discrepancy, even though you'll get, you know, five, 10, 15 point differences sometimes between guys that are in that top 60 ish range. You rarely see recruiting services differing like this on a player. 22 to, right. to low 70s is actually fairly drastic. And it was, I remember it being a significant deal because of the lineage when he committed to play at Kentucky because there was some people who had seen him play thought that he was going to have a chance to grow into a really good player. Not what he's done just yet. Although I will say this, and I know you're, you're keeping rolling. I at least want to keep it in perspective here. They did just beat Stonehill, who is horrendous there. So we won't get another really good eval against legit competition until Miami. We'll get to the Canes in just a second there. So, you know, he's played well. Don't get me wrong. And he's not the only one. But it's not like Kentucky's rolled out with its first four games against projected NCAA tournament teams. And he's doing this. I mean, Stonehill's one of the worst teams in D1. That's all. Still, uh, when's the last time you saw a college player go seven of eight from three, nine of ten from the field? Like, everybody... Hey, I don't know. You look at the schedule every day, but uh, most of these teams are playing crap teams. And he went for 25 uh, very early in his college career. He's had now back-to-back nice games uh, against Kansas and uh, Stonehill. And that's the other thing. Played well against okay. Kansas, too. Literally the top-ranked team in, in the country. Um, so if you want to say 24-7 sports just had him low, so what I'm telling you is a fact based on an incorrect evaluation, I, what, take it up with them, all right? I ain't got nothing to do with that. But Based on the database that we use, no player ranked this low in his high school class has ever done anything like this at Kentucky under John Calipari. Let me ask you this, then we'll move on. Do you believe in it? We're talking on February 1st, Reed Shepard is still one of Kentucky's... Uh, yeah, that I think has a good chance. But what I... I would, I would lean more on... Dillingham being the better player. He's been good as well. See, because so far early in the season here, and Kentucky plays, I think, Monday against St. Joe's. So we'll get our next uh, viewing with with this class and how it all gels together. Because Wagner, um, Edwards, and even Reeves, a little Wagner and Edwards are obviously the freshmen. And then Reeves, they haven't really brought it yet. They haven't clicked yet. And we're waiting for clearance on all their bigs. So to this point, it's been Shepard and it's been Dillingham. Uh, Shepard's O rating right now is 163.1. That is outrageous and not that will not continue uh if i promise you this if reed shepherd's offensive rating is above 140 he's the national player of the year okay he's 163.1 and as gp mentioned he's hitting better than 70 percent of his three-pointers to this point um while only playing 57.5 percent of the team's minutes dillingham shooting 43.5 percent from three his o rating is still a scorching 128 his assist rate is 35.3 percent he's hitting 85 percent of his foul shots and he's only playing 55 percent 55.5% of minutes out there right now. This might grow into something of a discussion point with this team in terms of, all right, well, you've got some of these players, like in particular Wagner, um, who was highly heralded, and it's just undeniable at this point that so far, and it's, it's a quasi-good problem to have, uh, Shepard and Dillingham have just so clearly been the guys that have been ready to go. And maybe you want to ride those hot hands. Maybe they should be inserted into the starting lineup as opposed to playing... I think, respectively, they are either 4, 5, or 5, 6 in terms of most minutes on the team right now. Uh, when we look on February 1, Shepard, I think Shepard and Dillingham will both be two of the four best players. And this is a knee-jerk reaction. Hey, we'll specialize on a Sunday night episode here. Alongside, uh, you would certainly think that Reeves has got to be in that conversation. Then it's kind of take your pick. Uh, but I would, it should be Edwards. Um, uh, and if that's the case in in, in Let's say DJ Wagner is your fifth or sixth plus player. Well, it can go two ways. It can either be, and this is really not clicking right now, or maybe they're going to be that good that if that is the case and Wagner isn't even in that top four overall in terms of value, 
um, Kentucky could be even more dangerous than we thought they might be. Just to hammer home the style of play that Kentucky has been using, took 38 threes against Kansas. That's the most ever by a John Calipari coach team at Kentucky and then made 17 threes against Stonehill. That's the most makes ever uh, for a John Calipari team at Kentucky. So very early in the season, in the first couple of weeks, uh, Kentucky already setting three-point records in various ways. Um, you know, when they get completely healthy, will they continue to play to this uh, extreme? Uh, I'm not sure. But so far, it's been uh, it's been a fun watch, and a, the biggest part of that probably has been Reed Shepard. Like you said, next up for UK, St. Joe's on um, Monday, Marshall on Friday, and then the next big game for Kentucky, November 28th against Miami. That'll be inside Rupp Arena for the ACC-SEC uh, challenge. Up next, we'll uh, let Norlander bounce us through some other news and notes from the weekend. I think this is where we get to UConn, 77-57 over Blue Blood, Indiana. We'll do that next, but uh, first, a, another word from our partner. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, Norlander, it's time for you to bounce us through other relevant news and notes from the weekend. I don't know if you want to start with UConn uh, over Indiana, 77-57, but that did happen. We will get get Um, By the way, in-show update, Tom Fornelli. uh, I tweeted that we were going live here on a Sunday night. Never miss a Sunday show. And uh, Tom Fornelli tweeted, why am I not surprised you recorded before the Illini game even started? And then he's, he, and then I was checking right as we were about to go. I was like, I didn't even realize Illinois is playing. Like, do they have a good opponent that we maybe should have taken into account? Uh, it's Illinois is at home to Southern. That game is going to tip off in about 20 minutes. I really hope that yeah. we're okay. Kevin Clark, shouts to Kevin Clark of ESPN. He saw, he, who is a Miami grad, he said, he saw what he needed to see from Miami and the Bahamas and turned on the microphones. That's right, KC. We'll get to your canes in just a second there. Fornelli. Lay off on a Sunday night when your team's going to win by 25 plus. Okay. But we are aware, by the way, because we did debate this. Like we got Houston going up against Dayton later, but these, it's a weird stagger on these, and we're banking on Houston to win. So I am, I am all too ready to get completely roasted on the start of the next episode if this winds up not happening. I, I got this cover. You ready? This is, this is everything we need take to it. say about Houston. Right, uh, Dayton. You ready? Okay. If Houston wins three, Two, 
one. And it's another nice victory for Kelvin Sampson and his program. They are making a smooth transition to the Big 12. And so far early in the season, they look like the type of team that uh, is going to compete with Kansas at the top of that new league. Stop. Okay. If Dayton wins three, two, one. Wow. What a performance from Anthony Grant's Dayton Flyers. You know, this is a team that will never get 2020 back. This program had a chance to win the national title that year with the national player of the year. Dumbest pandemic, <laughs> a pandemic of our lifetime rips that away. Three cut. If Dayton Thank wins three, two, one. Wow. What a performance for Anthony Grant's Dayton Flyers. This is a program that'll never get 2020 back. They were on pace to be a one seed in the NCAA tournament. They had the national player of the year. And then dumbest pandemic of our lifetime rips away the opportunity to, to compete in that NCAA tournament. But Anthony Grant has uh, just continued to build, continued to develop, loses Malachi Smith for the season early. That could be devastating. But now look, here's Dayton. Big victory over Houston, looking like the clear favorite in the Atlantic 10. And I say that as somebody who was master of ceremonies a ten media day lunch and pre pandemic. Uh, we got a uh, we got an intriguing uh, St. Mary Xavier tip later. You want to do two hits on that one too, or we, should we just pass it on by? <laughs> yeah, I've had enough of those previews. I feel like I've uh, recapped enough stuff that I haven't seen. <laughs> All right, we're gonna we're gonna get to uh, we'll get to you, Indiana, in just a second. Uh, we have to talk about what the heck Maryland didn't do at Villanova on Friday, fifty seven forty and fifteen Yo, points what, at the half. Man, all I all I was reading in Slack all offseason is how Maryland might be pretty good. It's pretty terrible right now. Putrid. What? Point six eight points per possession. Apparently, it was Maryland's fewest points in a game in the shot clock era. Fifty seven to forty. Terps are one and three. They're making just what twenty one point six percent of their three pointers. If you sort the data and remove the preseason bias at Torvik, it's an old trick I taught you. Hopefully, you remember how to do it. Blind sure. guess, not even a trivia time. Blind guess, where's Maryland as of two hours ago when I checked this? Where's Maryland at Torvik right now? No preseason input. I would just hit him with a 10-spot okay. auto drop, if I'm being honest. Yes, uh, 195. You were close. close. That's a pretty good job. Too bad it wasn't a trivia time. I would have given you a ding-ding. But These guys, you killed Mark Turgeon for this? Doesn't even have another like remaining valuable non-con game until December 22nd at UCLA. Going to have to win that. Uh, we did not, I mentioned this, I think last week, we did not identify Maryland. Every year, you get two, three, four, sometimes five teams in the AP Top 25 preseason poll that do not make the tournament. Neither of us identified Maryland as that such team, but right now at one and three, majorly behind the eight ball. Other side of this is Villanova getting picked off by Penn at the Palestra, comes back and really, you know, just gets a dominant win. I mean, it was it was still 57 to 40. But regardless, you take it if you can get it. And Kevin Willard has never won at the Finn ever. Uh, previously coached at Seton Hall, of course. Has still never walked into that building and emerged victorious there. It's like his own little person. It's, it's something like it's something like something's just happened. I don't know if Nada heard that. I don't know if anyone else heard it. I don't know if it's just Mike cans, but if it sounded like the the spirit of Lucifer just took over your mic for like a half second there, GP. I have no idea what just happened. I I don't I can't tell you. Do you're I still good. Sound you're like good. The devil? But it 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 happened real quick there. Um, 
This is the way it, it, it does happen real quick. One day you're impersonating that's a sun true. devil. That's true. That's next day, that, next, day you, next day you sound like one. Next day you are correct. one. Um, let's get to uh, let's get to where you come. Seventy-seven Indiana, fifty-seven. Yeah. Is it time that for that? On me. I was wrong. I went one and four. Never one to run from my mistakes. I believe I went one and four in the final four and one. I, I I'm giving you a chance here. Okay, not a good weekend for you. Giving me a chance. That, that, hold yeah, I'm giving you a chance. Giving me a chance. No, I snatched the lead. Maybe you, you did. I actually I don't know. We'll we'll save the tally update for the for the final four and one segment. I went four and one. You went one and four. I'm now six and four, and you're now. No, four that's and incorrect. Six. <laughs> that you're five and okay. five. And I'm six okay. and four. All right. There you go. So I, I I've been the lead. Snatch the lead. UConn on Sunday at the Garden. Kept the nation's longest winning streak alive. Ten games now going with the 77-57 win over Indiana. That was in the Empire Classic. Tristan Newton, 23 points, 11 boards, six dimes. Cam Spencer, also the Rutgers transfer, added 18 for UConn. Uh, Malik Renew fouled out. Uh, and when that happened, I, I didn't think Indiana was going to win, but all hope kind of evaporated once that was the case. Kaloware continues to show some good progress there, but UConn quite clearly the better team there. UConn is going to play Texas on Monday. I will be going back to the Garden um, for the fourth time in eight days. Uh, Texas is only getting there because, my oh my, Max Aces Max failed the Longhorns out a Quasi ridiculous fallaway two pointer over Sky Clark with like less than a second remaining when it fell through gave Texas an 81 to 80 win over Louisville. Uh, Caden Shedrick had 27 and seven for Texas, and he wound up being, I, I, frankly, I don't know if anyone could have foreseen Shedrick having a 27 and seven game this year with the Longhorns, but they needed it. Credit, yes, credit, all credit to Kenny Payne and his Louisville Cardinals because they put up a great fight, but you know what? You really hold no, kind of no, freaking blew the game, no. man. Like you should not. You had you. Had, they won four games last year. Now you're trying to pat them on the back. I mean, you no one expected Louisville to finish within ten points of Texas. Well, then that well then that's the problem. That then let's focus on that. That nobody expected Louisville to be within ten I'm points. Gonna, but they finished within one, and I'm going to say I doff my cap, sir. The, the the problem here is that nobody expected Louisville to be competitive in a college basketball game. That should never happen, and yet that's it, where it, we are. Hey, it's a step. Is it not a step forward to lose by one instead of 10, 12, or thirty-six? Maybe. I guess I we'll guess. see. Well, you know what? If, if, if you're the head coach at Louisville and your step forwards are losing by one to a you know borderline top twenty-five Texas team, then that that speaks to where you're at. Biggest MSG moments over the previous forty-eight hours in order: spoon opener Saturday night, last stop closer Saturday night. Your boy was there. Jeff Coffins, you never know, solo. Derek Trucks, guessing on Lionel Graves. And then maybe, maybe Max Acemas hitting that winner over Louisville. Maybe that gets ahead of Trombone Shorty's killer solo on Crush. If anyone else, if anyone else was at the Garden Friday or Saturday, shouts. Appreciate you. Have we ever got an explanation for why this dude has an ABM at the front of his name and just it just... But it sounds like ACE. I, you're the only person on this podcast who gets caught up with name pronunciations in relation to spellings. Oh, buddy. It just because I had to do spelling words every night with my first grader. And we and you have do you, you know how stupid the English language is? I mean, it is wild. I'm sitting there trying to explain to a six year old. I'm like, 
Next word, knit. He's like, there's a K. There's a, no, there's a K. What? There's a K in knit. Why is there a K in knit? Just wait till your six-year-old asks you why there's a K in knit. I've got an eight-year-old and he hasn't asked me that yet, but. But, but buddy, lucky yeah. you. How would you even answer that? I just blame it all on, on Latin. It's Latin. <laughs> I feel like Max, imagine if uh, tomorrow morning I had uh, spelling, we had to practice Max Asmus. And I had to explain to my son that, no, it's ABM, dummy. Get it I right. You should do that before school. Hey, quick, sit down. Let's go over this. Asmus, you're going to need to know this. It's big season ahead. Huge game on Monday. Son, sit down. Spell Asmus. Just get it going. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. He's set up okay. for failure. Set up set up for failure. Indiana, I'm just... Listen, we, we have fun with Indiana on this podcast. We've been having it for years. We? Um, but, like, I should say I, I was... I've been saying something, and it's just not... It's not right, and it's not fair. Here we go. And So I should correct the record. I've been consistently saying for more than a year now, I think, that I don't think there's any doubt that annually Indiana can be the second best team in the state of Indiana, right? Like it's a blue blood program. I got it. And it was once, but things change, things change. But if we're trying to recalibrate to use one of your favorite words, like second best in the state of Indiana, ain't that bad. Like, there's a lot of basketball programs in Indiana. The second, second best is not that bad, but I shouldn't have been saying that because that is wildly disrespectful to Butler. I mean, Butler's 75th now at Ken Palm. Indiana is 78th. Purdue, of course, is two. Indiana is third in the state of Indiana right now and closer to Indiana State than Purdue. So I need to apologize. I might have set the bar too high saying they could be second best in the state of Indiana every year. Because like, if, the, if the year ended today, according to Ken Palm, they wouldn't be. This is some fine bomb level antagonism right now. No, it's just you know I'm I'm really into following patterns and looking at <laughs> yeah. you know patterns on the wall, huh? Yeah, yeah, and like so year Track, so year yeah. one under Mike year one under Mike Woodson they started thirtieth at Ken Palm finished forty eighth eighteen spots lower than they were supposed to. Year two they started twelfth at Ken Palm finished thirtieth that's eighteen spots lower than they were supposed to. And uh, right now we're in year three under Mike Woodson. Started 50th at Ken Palm. I don't even know if you're supposed to be starting 50th if you're a blue blood program and with a third year coach. But whatever, I'm not in charge. Um, now they're all they're down to 79. They're already down 29 spots two weeks into the season. I'm sure they'll turn it around because they're a blue blood program. But the jeopardy they are in. It looks like just based on the numbers, real jeopardy of not finishing the top 25 at Ken Palm for the eighth consecutive year. And then not finishing ahead of Purdue in the Big Ten standings also for the eighth consecutive year. It's tough out there. It almost feels like the I'll be I'll be at the garden again on Monday. So the Louisville, Indiana undercard, which by the way, tips at 430 Eastern. It's I'll be there, but it almost feels like you're gonna build your entire week around this game. That's the saddest basketball it game that I've like played all year. For it than maybe any other one. No, it will be the saddest basketball. Like if you for anybody who grew up when Indiana actually did compete for national championships or anybody that grew up on the Metro Conference, that will be the saddest afternoon basketball game you've ever seen. 
two sub seventy historical powers going at each other. It's the four thirty tip from Manhattan. I'll be there. UConn versus Texas is going to be at seven o'clock. That's in big ball, but it's not the biggest. We'll get to the Maui Invitational in just a second. Yes, I've, yeah, I've got that. Okay. What you ask me? I, I didn't ask you any. I, oh, I thought you asked me what is Indiana's Big Ten record the past seven years, and what is Purdue, their in-state rivals, Big Ten record the past seven ahead. years. So I got that. Indiana is sixty-one and seventy-four, winning percentage of forty-five point two. Purdue is a ninety-six and thirty-nine, winning percentage of seventy-one point one. It's that not, but I appreciate you keeping the tally as the games go by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just got to keep up with. I all have the one things. question for you, GP. Mm-hmm. What happens if Louisville happens to beat Indiana tomorrow? Oh my God! <laughs> oh no! I, I, I think that I is mean, a solo fifteen-minute podcast for for you. Oh it my might just God! Fire up and change. I mean, there 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 is no scenario where a blue blood program could lose to this Louisville team. That's craziness. Shall we continue with the tour? Let's get on. Let's get a move on here. Yeah, hold on, hold on. Let me scroll. Let me make sure I hit on every one of my notes here. Okay, yep. we're good. Yep. yep. Got it. Let's That's talk everything. about those Kings. They won the Bahamar title with a 91-83 win over K-State, so credit to them. We will see them against Kentucky very, very soon. Nigel Pack at 28. Norshad or Amir had 23. Uh, Kings were never threatened in this one. They emerge uh, continuing to look really, really good. The computer sold on Miami. The computers are wrong. They are a wagon. Uh, so can't wait to see Miami versus Kentucky. And I think that is nine days from now. Um, so good on them. K-State went one and one. They beat Providence in overtime on Friday at that same event. Providence also escapes one and one. Beat Georgia on Sunday. Devin Carter's ascent continues. Um, Providence wasn't even uh, wasn't even at full strength because uh, Garway Duall got into a scuffle in that game. He was suspended. Uh, but Bryce Hopkins and Josh Duro continue to look good. It's getting late early for Georgia, a team I thought would pop the season. But it's two and three, one and three. Overall, against uh, high major teams, the only one left is a home game against Wake in the non-con. As we are going here, I'm going to call this one for the Johnnies. They're beating Utah with two and a half to go by 17 points. So that's in the Charleston event. Going to get out of there with two and one. That's a good development for St. John's, which has been a little up, a little down this season. But Rick Pitino's team goes home with a winning record in that three-game MTE. Good on them for doing it. Liberty, by the way, won the Myrtle Beach Invitational. We'll give them a shout. 5-0. and uh, That was a good major affair on Sunday. They got it done. And then only other ones. Uh, a couple more big six teams losing at home in bye games. Michigan got beat at home by Long Beach State and allowed 94 points. So erased a little bit of that goodwill to start the season. And then Arkansas got undone by UNC Greensboro which was a uh, was a semi stunner for sure so a couple of a uh, couple of big programs there got knocked off in uh against mid major uh, competition this weekend and that's uh that's your whip around Nigel Pack 28 points against his own That's actually a good point I, did, I I that didn't uh compute in the moment there Shouts to Life Wallet go. Hurricanes now 5 and 0 up from 45 to 32 at Kinpom still undervalued I think I got Miami ninth. I like it right now in the top 25 and one. Uh, looking ahead before we get out of here to the next couple of days, UConn, Texas in the garden on Monday. That should be terrific. And you'll be there yes. for that, right? So, that, so that'll be fun. Um, Maui Invitational also starts Monday and will dominate over the next two days, uh, really three days, I guess. Awesome field. First round games are as follows. 2.30 Eastern, Tennessee, Syracuse. 5 Eastern, Purdue, Gonzaga. 
9 Eastern, Kansas Chaminade, 11.30 Eastern, UCLA Marquette. That's your Monday first-round game. So the team's ranked uh, number one, that's Kansas, number two, Purdue, number five, Marquette, number 10, Tennessee, and number 13, Gonzaga, in my top 25 and one, are in the Maui field. If the games go as projected, the semifinals would be number two, Purdue, versus number 10, Tennessee, number one, Kansas, versus number five, Marquette. The title game could be number one, Kansas, versus number two, Purdue, Hunter Dickinson versus Zach Eady. That'd be a fun way to spend a Thanksgiving Eve, wouldn't it? I love this tournament. By the way, you just mentioned that. It's even more impressive overall from official AP ranking standpoint because this has six. You don't have UCLA ranked. It has six ranked teams. And so there's never been an MTE with six ranked teams in an eight-team field. It's the best Maui field ever. And by and because of that, GP, this is the best MTE field we've ever had. Like single event, PK80, PK85 are great, but those are two separate eight team fields, right? So if you were to break both both those out, as good as they were, we never had an MTE with the number one team and the number two team, Kansas versus Purdue there. Um, I got a trivia time for you. Bring it. Let's go. Which team is the best all-time win percentage in Maui Invitational history? You must Give me a serious answer. Best winning percentage all time, Maui. Maui, North Carolina. Nope. They're in the field this year. Oh, I know it ain't nope. Chaminade. They get their brains beat in oh, a yeah, lot. I got the record for you momentarily. Buddy. Oh, it's uh, it's Gonzaga, thanks to Rui Hachimura. It is not. Would you believe? And this is true for at least another... Uh, approximately T minus 24 hours. Syracuse is 10 and 0 all time in Maui. Never lost. Never what? lost. Syracuse is never lost. Oh, buddy, that ain't going to last Syracuse much can, can, <laughs> if, if Syracuse can exit this tournament, it's the only non ranked p- uh, power conference Division one school in the field. It's six ranked teams, Syracuse and Chaminade. If it can get out of this still without a scratch, uh, Adrian Autry, his legacy is going to be right, right alongside Jim Beheim. Just like. Oh, they're signing to a 50 year contract. Just like that. It'd be a fifty-year contract extension. I tell you what, this uh, I'm gonna have a I'm gonna have a story. I'll have two stories up on Monday. One, I I took a tour through the past four decades. This is the fortieth Maui Invitational. It's obviously not in Maui, as a, uh, a cruel irony, but you know because of all of the immense damage that happened in Lahaina, they had to take it off of that of the island of Maui. It's in Oahu, in Honolulu, and so we'll be at the University of Hawaii. Uh, one of the great things, and I talked I called up uh, Billis a, a few days ago because I got a, I quoted him. I, I did a top 20 games and then I'm going to have just a column about, you know, the history and why this is, event is so good. So look for that stuff on Monday. Um, and one of the things Billis said was, uh, you know, it, it just, you can feel it through the TV screen, I feel. And I was like, no, you're absolutely right. Maui's one of those events because of the confines that they normally play it in. Uh, the energy just, it seems to pop through. And to me, this is the unofficial start of the holiday season. Like once you see Maui daytime basketball on your TV, uh, you know, you can practically smell the turkey coming through, you know, the kitchen at that point because Thanksgiving's right around the corner. And I love, love, love this field. It is brutal um, that on the 40th iteration of this one, and now for the what fourth time in the past five times they've played this, is that right? Or three times in the past four, they actually haven't played it at the Lahaina Civic Center because of COVID and now because of the wildfires there. But yeah, um, you've got four teams ranked in the top seven nationally per the AP Top 25. Um, it's uh, it's an incredible, incredible thing. Um, 
I've got the records here real quick overall. Syracuse is 10 and 0. It plays Tennessee. Tennessee's all-time Maui record is 4 and 7. Let me stop for a second. How do we get the 10 and 0? How do we get the 10 Because the Maui Invitational, even before it was the Maui Invitational, uh, used to be a four-team event. So it broke down. So like they, they, you haven't always played three games. I don't know. Asterisk, okay, asterisk. I'm going off of the official records on the Maui site, but Syracuse is ten and zero. If we're gonna keep Barry Bonds out of the Hall of Fame, I feel like we yeah, got to talk about okay. this. Just giving me no context material right there. I appreciate that. Tennessee is four and seven in Maui. The teams have played each other six times in their history. They are three and three against each other. Purdue Gonzaga. Gonzaga is thirteen and four in Maui. Won its last time there. GP was on the site when they won. Uh, hey, shouldn't Purdue be playing Syracuse? I don't make the brackets, but hey, you know. Why don't we? I, get they to make actually the should. They should really outsource this. Okay, let's make the brackets right. Let's remake the brackets. Kansas Shamanad, that's right. Purdue, Syracuse, sure. that's right. Marquette, UCLA. Right. UCLA is right in Tennessee. Yeah. Gonzaga. So we just flip a couple of Mar- Marquette, UCLA is already there. Yeah, that would be it. I agree with that. Yeah, so we have to I agree with that. Games. That's fine. Now we got a better tournament and a more fair, a fair, more fair. Is it fairer? More, or more fair. fair? Um, more fair tournament. Purdue is seven and three all time in Maui. Purdue has never lost to Gonzaga. Three and zero oh all time. Those schools will face off on Monday. All these games, by the way, are going to be on ESPN two. It's Monday Night Football, and it's like the biggest game of the NFL regular season. So ESPN will be very much into Chiefs versus Eagles, understandably so. So all this is going to be on ESPN two. If you sort the data. At Torvik right now, Gonzaga has the third best offense so far this season. Purdue has the sixth best offense. And uh, Purdue has won, this is per uh, Chris Foreman, the great SID there. Purdue has won 27 straight regular season non-conference games going back to December of 2020. It's the longest streak of the country by 12, by 11 games. Connecticut's now won 16 in a row. Um, that's damn impressive from Purdue. We'll see what it can do. That's game two. Uh, Kansas's all-time record in Maui, 14-6. and six. Trivia time. How many games in the Maui Invitational has Shamanad won? It has been involved since the very first one. They beat... I, I mean, they beat Virginia how, famously, how, right? How, and how about this? This is one of the big misnomers in the sport. Shamanad beat Virginia. You are correct. But it was Shamanad beating Virginia that prompted the existence of the Maui Invitational. So this will be in my column on Monday. Virginia flew out and was going to play in like a holiday thing in 1982, top ranked team in the country and just took a game with Chaminade as like almost an afterthought. Um, that was in 82. It happened. It wasn't on TV. Michael Wilbon was a columnist at the Washington post who was only there to cover Maryland's football team in a bowl game, I believe. And so it became like this, you know, this mythical kind of thing where, you didn't see it on TV. You couldn't hear it on radio. And like it was of an age when you'd l- literally read an AP report or a UPI report in the newspaper. In that case, Wilbon wrote a game story. Um, so, no, uh, people think that the first Maui one was Virginia losing to Shamanad. It was only because Shamanad even did that, which was considered and still is considered by some the greatest upset ever because it had Ralph Sampson, you know, and uh, three time All uh, player of the year that prompted Maui to exist. So, with that in mind, that does not count toward the win total. Okay, I'm going to say Chaminade's won three times in the Maui Invitational. Give it up to Chaminade. An 8-92 and 92 record. It has pulled off eight victories. 8-92. Eight eight and 92. Good for the Silver Swords, which, not a D1 school, but if it was, Silver Swords would easily... They used to have a, used to have a coach who looked like uh, Jerry Lola. <laughs> say so, man. I, I got no... I, you, you lost me entirely on that one. Uh, Silver Swords, top five nickname in all of college sports, though. Love that one. Um, 
Kansas has never lost to Shamanado, by the way. I am quite confident. If All right, bigger upset. Shamanado beats this Kansas team or Shamanado over Virginia in 82. I still got to go 82, but I feel like it's a little bit close. Yeah, I'm going to go back to yeah. 82, but... But uh, boy, that'd be old, old number be one something. teams, you know, 42 years post um, last game of the night. And I love me some late night Maui tips on the East Coast. You see. Oh, yeah, that's because you don't have to do a 30 minute recap show at the end of the whole thing. <laughs> UCLA is nine and eight all time in Maui. Marquette eight and three. The Bruins have never lost to Marquette. They are four and oh all time. And as GP said. I've also never that's lost. That's true. Uh, well, yeah. Um, Purdue versus Tennessee, Kansas. Marquette will be the semis if they go to plan. I don't think they will. Um, which brings me to, I just want to, I want to, let's, let's pick this bracket here. I think we've done this a couple of times in recent seasons uh, and it's Maui. It's, it's by far the best. We've got more MTE stuff coming later in the week. So on our Wednesday show, a lot of this stuff is going to go on Wednesday, Thursday, Fort Myers tip off starts, I think Monday as well. That'll have Virginia, Wisconsin, which is a half decent game on Monday night. But Maui is really going to be front and center as it should be this season. Um, just going to be an incredible, incredible tournament here. Let's, uh, Let's pick out these games, GP. So I'll go first. I'll say, not attract me on this if you could. I will say Tennessee beats Syracuse. Although I am tempted to go the other way. I am tempted to put Syracuse 11 0 all time in Maui. Uh, but I will go, I will go Vols. Um, I'll go Purdue over Gonzaga. I will go Kansas over Chaminade. And I'm going <sighs> to. We gonna have chalk and all on Monday. I, I feel like it's Maui. It's the fortieth, and I feel like we're gonna have somewhere. So uh, give me, give me Ukla over Marquette. So I'll go, I'll go wow. Ukla to win, and then I will have, um, I'll have Purdue over Tennessee. I'll have Kansas over UCLA, and then we're gonna. I know you're gonna go one two as well, and then I will go Purdue over Kansas in the title game. How's this going for you? Tennessee over Syracuse, Purdue over Gonzaga, Kansas over Chaminade, Marquette over UCLA, Kansas over Marquette, Purdue over Tennessee. Kansas all right, so you, in, in the most stacked field ever, you're going to say it's chalk all on the winner's side. Buddy, buddy, are you, are you going to question the man who had FAU in the top five? Seriously? <laughs> I don't know. Should I get this out of the way now? I was wrong. I, I'm sorry for I'm sorry for assuming the teams that are ranked one and two in the country I, should be. Oh, no, I got that too. But you don't have one. You don't have, all right, let's go losers bracket. Let's have some fun. No, I, I, I get. It. I just feel like we're gonna have at least a little bit something there. If you, I don't. If you always want to have fun. That's not how I have fun by picking oh, underdogs. Love, love getting into the nitty gritty of a Maui bracket. That's that's just a glorious time for me. I have fun. I I could give you about five different ways I have fun. And it's not picking an underdog ever. So when you say, come on, you got to have some fun. I'm like, if I picked underdogs, that wouldn't even be fun for me. It's not fun for me. Um, okay. Then if, uh, so if, if Shamanad's getting out of here, 0 and 3, we're thinking uh, Syracuse is 1 and 2. And I guess you're going to have UCLA. You're going to have Mick Cronin going home 1 and 2. I, don't, I wouldn't well, do that. that well, who's going home? Who else is going home 1 and 2? Shouldn't there be, it doesn't have to be two teams that go home one and two with this. Yeah. What do I look like? Yeah. What do I look like? A okay. mathematician? Love me some Maui, man. Ten, ten, Tennessee. Tennessee can go one. I'll and continue two. to campaign on the crime against humanity that is scheduling the championship game 
during the afternoon of Wednesday. Get that thing back to late night, right before Thanksgiving. What are we doing? Gosh. It's really nice, though, when you're at the event, you get that thing knocked out in the middle of the day. You got you got your last night in Maui just to, you know, have a nice steak and look out at the ocean. I know. That's what I did. The, when, the year you went was the first year they did it. Oh, I enjoyed that. I remember enjoying that. Zion was there. Rui was there. It's a good time. I'd like to make it back. Let me get, uh, we can wrap the show, but before we do that, let me get a quick uh, real-time update here on uh, on Illinois just for Tom Fornelli. Tom Fornelli, what do we got here? Illinois, home against Southern, 4-2. 18-14 to go in the first half. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're out. They're, they're on a 4-2 run. A four two. They're out yeah. on a 4-2 run. Yeah. Started the game with a 4-2 run. It's encouraging. FAU should have tried that. I think they got out to like a 10-2 run. Buddy, I didn't turn it on until the second half, and it, it was a rough watch. <laughs> it was a rough watch. They couldn't make a shot. And, buddy, you know I was cheering loud, too. <laughs> You're having fun. I mean, I'm happy. I mean, I'm happy for Phil Martelli Jr., but I love me more than I love Phil Martelli Jr. <laughs> I, I was worried about my mentions. I was in here doing owl impressions, everything I could do. They just kept missing shots, man. I got Marquette yeah. fans in the chat all riled up. It's I, I'm I'm picking one upset. Maybe I should have gone Q's over Tennessee. Real quick, last one. Favorite preferred shade of orange, Tennessee or Syracuse? They're different shades. I think I agree. The Syracuse. I, I, I would take the this. This yeah. is nothing on the teams or the schools. I'm talking pure shades of orange. It drifts closer to yeah, Chicago Bears orange than than uh, than Tennessee. So that's my pick. Like I wear, I see a I see a Syracuse shirt sometimes, and I go, man, I yeah. like that. And I see a Tennessee shirt, and I never go. I like that. <laughs> Let's just get out of here. I mean, we don't need to alienate another fan base with this. Let's go. Like I, every time I see a Tennessee shirt, I want to vomit. Like what? No, I don't even mean it like that. I just don't. I don't love the color. I, I don't hate. Hold it. on, hold on. I'm about to get. Our, we have reports in the chat that Jackson State just won at Missouri. You guys better not be perpetrating a fabrication on me right now. Did that actually just happen? I'm looking right now. I'm bringing it up. Someone just said Jackson State just won at Missouri. Do not tell me that happened. Wow. That's a disaster if so. It did. 73-72? Oh, no. oh. That's their Jackson first State. win of the season. Yep. That's trouble. Yikes. Oh, my. Where is Jackson State? Where is Jackson State? I mean, I know where it is. That's Jackson, Walter Payton, absolutely. Where is it in Ken Palm? Going into the day, it was... Oh my goodness, 309. 309. That's like worse. I'm looking oh at this. Jackson God. State entered the game. Road loss 9477 Memphis. Road loss 8761 San Diego. Not San Diego State. We're talking Toreros. Road loss 8066 Cal Baptist. Road loss 8866 Loyola Marymount. Road loss Tulsa 7252. And it just went into Columbia. Dennis Gates' team is three and two. It should be two and three. It rallied like a mofo on Thursday to come back and win on the road against Minnesota, which collapsed. Might have, might have, to, might have to enroll that top five recruiting class Ooh, like next a, week. Might need to get them dudes enrolled shiver, soon, man. Wow, losing to Jackson State at home—that's like that's worse than losing to Big Country Brian Reeves at home. I appreciate the chat looking out for us because that is 
That's a bolt from the blue. That is. I mean, should we start should the podcast? We, should over? we redo this whole thing? Should we redo this? I mean, do we Houston need to Dayton might be done by the time we do another one. So. Yeah. Well, there we go. You know, congratulations to whoever won that, and you know, my condolences to whoever Here's lost it. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure there are better better days ahead. Here's the deal. Uh, we're scheduled again to podcast Wednesday morning. Um, but if something ridiculous happens over the next 48 hours, um, either G- GP or, or I might uh, might give you a quickie pod. No promises whatsoever. But I'm just saying. I'll be I'll be in the studio till oh. 2 a.m. Oh, yeah, sorry, you're in New York because you because you got to have an 11:30 tip. Oh, you see no, I'm not staging. I, first of all, I'm not the one staging it at that time. All right. It's got you did. Yes, you did. Take your hey, Pacific take Ocean four time zones over. It's not me. Okay. By the way, let me tell you, this stuff works. That game ain't tipping at eleven thirty. It's tipping at eleven forty-two. Let's go. Right? Oh, hey, listeners, keep us honest. GP's going. Let's go over under tip time. You're going eleven forty-two Eastern Monday night. Okay, I'll actually go eleven thirty-nine. Okay. I'm gonna say. 11.35. I'm, I'm with you. 11.30 might be a bit ambitious. I'll go 11.35 Eastern. We're going to be done at 1.46. All right? That means if we pre-tape most of the show, we still ain't out of there till 2.15. I'm in my hotel room at 2.45. But hey, I, I'm glad you got something to watch late tomorrow night. It will be. I'm going to be getting home from the garden. Turn it on. I love it. Love hey, it. Hey, historic, historic night tomorrow night. Just right downstairs, right below me on on Broadway and 54. Do you know what's happening for the first time since 2015? Right below me, right down there. I can see it from here. Uh, no. David Letterman will be back inside the oh, Ed okay. Sullivan Theater. What for? Is he a guest? He just... He's a, he's, he's a guest with Stephen Gobert okay, for the first go. time. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's a show. So, so you can either watch Letterman make his return to the late show both. or me and Rostin on Inside College and Basketball. We'll UCLA Marquette what? rolling as well. It's a multi-screen oh, night. It's a, if, you, if, you, if you ever needed two screens, tomorrow night is the night. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M. F. and Teagle, legend. Shouts to Huck Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening, watching the Eye on College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe. Anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple and Spotify, there's more of us than there are of them. That needs to be reflected in the comments. So do that. We'll talk to you again at the very latest on Wednesday morning. Until then. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Okay. Now, it is a do-bet. Do averaging 29 and 11. God, shit. what'd it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.